Um, I think the biggest concern about our identities within the family was who to support during the World Cup. That's the biggest concern out of a multicultural family. And I think that's the biggest takeaway out of this podcast, really. It's which team do we support? So I had mom supporting France, I had dad supporting Spain. And then they turned around and was like, all right, kids, who do you support? Welcome to The Big Blend, the podcast about merging cultures and transmission. For those of you who are listening for the first time, you can discover the whole story behind The Big Blend by listening to the first episode, The Prologue. Today's guest is Robin Molinas. He grew up in London with a Spanish dad and a French mom. Hi, Robin. Hi, Maya. Welcome to The Big Blend. Thank you. I'm going to start by telling your story. You have a, a Spanish dad, a French mom, but you were born and raised in London. That's correct. Then you went to Montreal to continue your studies, then to Spain, and now you're living in France. So you actually did live in all of the countries of your parents, but you grew up in another one. That's it. So Robin, what do you answer if I ask you, where do you come from? Um, where do I come from? Um, I'd, so I think my first answer would be London. To me, where I am from uh, has a sort of connotation linked towards childhood. That, that might be a compl more complicated question for people who have lived in multiple places during their childhood, but I've lived in one. I've lived, I was born in London. So yeah, from zero to 18, um, I was in London. So where am I from has a more simple answer for me, which is I'm from London. How was it at home? Uh, what language did you speak? Um, from a very early, well, from a very early age, from the only age, <laughs> from the only age. Um, yeah, so, so French is the, the, the language we speak at home. I have tried to ask why that is the case. I've had different answers from my parents because so my dad is the most trilingual out of all of us at home. Um, he, yeah, so he is English, French, Spanish is absolutely on point, uh, which, but my mother's Spanish was a little tougher and English, both of them, there wasn't, wasn't their native language. So I think it quickly revolved to French because it was just simpler in that case. So how did you learn Spanish? Spanish was the language which uh, took the longest to learn. So my, my parents did, took the decision to put me in a French uh, school system because my, that's what my mother knew the best. Uh, that's what she was confident in being able to raise her kids in. And so she was like, okay, I'm taking control of the education. Sorry, honey, uh, but it's going to be the French side. So Spanish was harder to learn because I didn't have the education nor the geography to help me out with it. What mostly helped me with Spanish was holidays, which is when you're going to see grandma, when you're going to go see grandpa. And all the aunts, all my cousins, my dad has a big family on the Spanish side. So we all had to speak Spanish. And also their English or French wasn't very good or still isn't very good for some of them. And so being having to communicate with my family, the only way to do it is just to learn Spanish. So my dad uh, told me, okay, we're going to learn some basic Spanish. So he started speaking to us in Spanish a bit. Okay, so he would try to kind of uh, teach you some words here and there, but it wasn't the actual spoken language at home. But then you would use this little knowledge that he gave you and then develop it once you were there in the family that couldn't speak any other language. Exactly. And uh, my, my dad, so, so my dad, we didn't really speak much in Spanish at home. Um, he would sometimes, I mean, then he would, you know, just come out with some sentences. And of course, we knew what it was. Uh, he would always uh, bring us to the table by saying a comer or like things like, you know, little things like that, which shows that you're always in a Spanish household as well. 
but my, what my dad did also is that he he made us do sort of like these little camps in Spain, right? So some surf camps. He made us go to them different places in Galicia or in Barcelona just to have that additional exposure to a Spanish which he wasn't able to, or he didn't give maybe during our childhood or as much as he would have liked to. And how did you feel when you were surrounded by Spanish kids? Did you feel different or did you feel like it was a familiar kind of environment? For oh, you? no, you feel, you, feel, you feel like a stranger. No, you're definitely a stranger. Your, your accent isn't there. Uh, when people speak to you, you try and respond and you to answer in Spanish. And a lot of times they were very, you know, like people, people are nice. So people were like, hey, like, you know, like speak Spanish, we'll speak slowly. But also a lot of them were like, oh, finally, somebody who's not from Spain is in Spain. I can practice my English with them. And so quickly you come up to the thing where people will speak to you in English and you'll answer in English because basically that's what they, they're here to, to make the most of when you were supposed to be the one speaking Spanish. So sometimes we had this weird thing in which they spoke to English and you spoke in Spanish and somehow we understood each other. And um, it looks like they really, your parents, they really did a lot of things to kind of expose you to the three cultures. But is there something that if you could go back, what would you advise them to do? What would you have changed on your education, your cultural education? So when you're in London, you're from an expat family. You've got a French mother and a Spanish dad. Getting in to England with the English kids, with the Londoners, is, is tough because, I mean, basically most of my, I mean, when you're a kid, your social life is school. And if your school is French, then your social life is French. So going towards that English is, or those English people getting to know them, was much harder. So we had this one family which we always hung out with, pure English, but like the middle of nowhere countryside English, uh, knew very, you know, only English, that's what they knew. And it was great, right? They were great people. And it forced all of us to just speak English all the time. Something that maybe would have been good is how do you fit in better to the country that you live in today? Because it's easy to create your bubble, right? So we were home, we had a French bubble. We did Chandeleur, we did Christmas. I mean, we did all the sort of French celebrations, uh, Mardi Gras, things like that. La Chandeleur is celebrated on February 2nd in France. It's a Christian celebration, but today it's mostly known as a day when families and friends all make crepes together and enjoy them. Very, very French. And Mardi Gras is the French equivalent of Halloween. But the English celebrations, or maybe the English culture, of like, all right, let's go to the pub and watch football, because that's, you know, <laughs> English culture. Uh, <laughs> um, that, that took more of a personal effort than from my parents. So on top of actually really managing well the diversity of cultures in the home, how do you ensure that the country culture, the base, mm -hmm. is solid enough and that your kid can actually blend in well before actually adding another culture. And it's a, it can be quite a dilemma for a parent because you can also be thinking, okay, if I, if I integrate him too much into the country, maybe will he forget about mine? And that's a big dilemma because they'll be like, oh, he's becoming English. What, what about the French? What about the Spanish? It's ultimately, it's up to the kid to sort of decide, right? I mean, you know, sort of cultural identity is something that's chosen, that's decided. Uh, it's something that you feel in your heart. There's very little you can explain about that. So how do you feel? Do you feel that there's one culture you're you're closer to, you belong to more? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the English for me. Um, you know, it's, I don't even think about it. It's It feels English to me. Um, if I think about it, logically, I think it'd have to be French. If I had to think about it, which culture brought me up? I think I'd have to say more French just because of the education, just because of the cop. But a lot of my friends outside school were English. A lot of friends in school, which I chose, were English. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's sort of like I feel, I feel at home in a pub. 
And when you feel at home in a pub, uh, you're, you're English, English. <laughs> which is which is why I feel better in in England. Why I feel more as a Londoner than than as a French person or a Spanish person. Before we started recording, Robin told me he had brothers. So with that many cultures in the home, I wondered if they all had the same feeling of cultural belonging. Would both your brothers agree? Would they both feel the same, or or do you guys feel different? I actually texted them before this uh, this podcast because I it, it it was never something we actually asked. Um, I think the biggest concern about our identities within the family was who to support during the World Cup. That's the biggest concern out of a multicultural family, and I think that's the biggest takeaway out of this podcast. Really, it's which team do we support? So I had mom supporting France, I had dad supporting Spain, and then they turn around and like, all right, kids, who do you support? And um, I think so. I think both my brothers identify more as French, and I think I'm just the the, the only guy who supports England. Um, so we've had so yeah, so we have more French supporters at home. Game uh, nights must be interesting. Game game nights are very fun. So my 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 brothers feel uh, more French, and I asked them why, and they were like, well, because so they feel more French because they have more of the French rituals and the French cultural rituals than they have English or Spanish rituals, as in again, tout ce qui est Mardi Gras, la chandeleur, uh, things like that, which we celebrated at home are French. We did not necessarily celebrate uh, New Year's by eating uvas, you know? Quick explanation. In Spain, there's a New Year's tradition that's called the 12 grapes of luck. So, las doce uvas de la suerte. It consists of eating 12 grapes, representing the 12 months of the New Year, for luck. There's some different things that you are taught to do, and that's ingrained. And therefore, you had, they said that, well, we have more of a French behavior than an English or Spanish behavior. Therefore, and also we went to the French system. The history that we've learned is French history. But so did you. But so did I. How well, how come you feel more English? It, it could be just a feeling, and you don't have to have an answer. But it's it's mostly a feeling. Um, so to me, there's you know there's my academic person. There's you know who I've what I've been taught, and then what I've learned by my own. And I was more towards the English side with the things that I've learned by my own. So it's very much emotional, more than actually logical. have the three passports i have two and the, <laughs> i have the english and the french and the reason why i don't have the spanish and i think it's a, just for clarification my dad is from barcelona which means catalonia which means spanish spain and catalonia have um let's just say a history of rivalry just out of simplicity so when i actually tried started doing my uh, my passport my spanish passport i was like oh, i'm doing a thing and at one point i said okay give me your grandma's date of birth and i was like I don't know grandma's date of birth. And so, so I call up grandma's like, hola, well, tell me, like, when are you born? It's like, oh, I'm born then, then I, what are you doing this for? I'm doing this for my passport. She told me, Robin, stop doing it. I'm like, what are you talking about, grandma? I was like, we're in Catalonia. This is what you're going to do. You're going to wait for Catalonia to become independent. 
And then the moment that Catalonia becomes independent, then you'll be able to take your Catalan passport. Then I had a pause, right? Because it was either I told my grandma, no way, um, and then she lost 10 years of her life. <laughs> or I was just going to say, okay, sounds good. Because in, in terms of passport, in terms of practicality, if I have the English and the French, the Spanish is more making it official in the eyes of maybe the government and some people who define cultural identity by their citizenship. So... It was more out of pride than anything else. So if I didn't need it practically, I was like, sure, sure thing, Grandma. I'll, I'll wait for Catalan. <laughs> Because originally, you want, why did you want to do it? Um, I wanted to do it, um, <laughs> silly answer, because I can. No, because I, I've, I've never felt Spanish. And when you are in Spain, uh, you know the language, but you don't know it in a way that you still know that I knew French and English. Uh, so I speak with an accent. And when I speak to people, they're like, are you okay? You have the vocabulary, you have sort of the manners of a Spanish or Catalan person, but but the accent's somewhere else. And so you sort of feel, you know, you sort of feel stranger in your in a in your own country. And ultimately, I think it might be something which is just wrong: is being having to prove to other people that you're from the country. Yeah, I think it, it was more first out of pride by being able to showcase, sure, I am Spanish because I have the passport and just to, just to shut them up, really. And looking back, do you think it would have made a difference to have the Spanish passport? Um, yes, because again, as you know, rational as you're trying to be by saying you define your own identity, being able to just say, yeah, no, I've got the Spanish passport, it usually cuts down the next conversation of having to prove that you're Spanish by like 75%. Growing up with three languages or three cultures, did you feel like it was something that was positive or negative when you were a kid? Oh, 100% positive. I mean, when you when you come up and you sort of speak already two and a half languages and you're eight, um, it, you know, it is, it is a pride. It, it's something that you take at school and people are like, oh, you know, you can speak different languages. You can communicate with more people. You can have more diverse friends because you can communicate better. It, no, it definitely is a positive. I think what was easier maybe in your case is that being English, French or Spanish doesn't necessarily show that much on someone's face. So the fact that you spoke three languages helped you blend in with different groups versus um, maybe a kid who looks too different that might be a bit more complicated to blend in. I mean, we've had a very white European look. That's maybe some like a question that I don't get as a multicultural is like, oh, where are you from? Right. That I think I get that question less because it appears less. And then you sort of divulge it as time goes on. It's like, oh, wait, you're also French. And then it just comes up because naturally when, you know, when they look at me, it's like, oh, that guy can be from literally anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> What's particular about your case is that you actually lived in the three countries for a certain period of time. Um, how come you, you lived in Spain and you lived in France? Is it something that you've always wanted to do? Yeah, definitely. Uh, no, it definitely was something I wanted to do. Um, I mean, London's always going to be the, the home where it is, it's going to be my home and that, that will remain the case. Um, but you're always curious, not only about just the language, but like where your parents grew up, right? So it's more through my parents. I was like, okay, I want to walk the streets where my dad was when he was like three. Right. As like when when I walked by in Barcelona, I always used to walk by my dad's primary school. And I you kind of look back and it's like, huh, 50 years ago, there's a little kid called Carlos. And that guy was just running around with a football. And and it's kind of sweet to see um, also my family in terms of in my in the Spanish side. They are all in Barcelona. That's something that I was never able to experience when I was living in London. It's just having that family with you around. I just had the core family. 
the rest were in France and Spain. And so it was just us alone in, in the UK, which I didn't see too much problems with until you start saying, okay, grandma's making food every Sunday. And, and suddenly you're like, okay, now I know what I've missed out on. And so being able to go back to Barcelona, uh, to being able to experience that culture, also learn Catalan, because that is something, you know, that's one of my objectives for my family, because the way we used to speak is they used to speak to me in Spanish. I used to answer in English. Then the moment the Spanish happened, they spoke to me in Spanish, answered in Spanish. Now they speak to me in Catalan and I answer in Spanish. And one day one day if, if grandma if you're listening uh they'll speak in catalan and i'll be able to answer in catalan and that's that's one that definitely is, is an objective and when you got to france did you feel at home here did you feel uh, that you had the codes of the country no. no and 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 that that's what made things very awkward for me in france um in spain i have a spanish uh, like i have an accent in spanish right so when you start speaking they're kind of like okay he he's not from here It's fine if he doesn't know the cultural codes. I've come to France um, and <laughs> it just hit me. because uh, So, you know, the French, I don't necessarily have an accent in French. And we come up to this uh, to this event and il y a le Colimara, which is a very popular French song that starts coming up. And everyone's singing along. Les Lacs du Colimara is a French song that is usually played at the very end of a party. By that time, people are very, very joyful. <laughs> Everyone starts jumping, dancing while singing, or rather while shouting, yeah, while shouting the lyrics. And then this is one awkward kid who's just trying to remember the lyrics from when mum used to sing. And people are looking at me, he's like, Robin, how on earth do you not know those lyrics? And so there's a lot of little things which French people assume, you know, they have, because I mean, it's part of French culture, with the same way, you know, somebody was singing like a, any, any sort of English song like the Beatles, I'd, I'd sing along. But there's some very specific French things which I do not know. And it makes very interesting things because people expect you to sing along and you can't. Or people expect you to know this singer or this rapper or this actor. And you're like, who on earth is this? And it comes because people look at you because they just consider you to just be either have no culture or just to be stupid because they expect you to know it. But you have no clue. <laughs> uh, in my friend group, they've categorized me as uh, this nearly French person. So every time they come up to a French reference, they will turn around and they will explain it to me. Robin, this is from a movie, or it says on the set, it's a quote, learn it. What do your parents answer when they're asked, where do you come from? I don't know. Um, I think they say London, but they immediately come by saying, but I am French and my husband is Spanish or vice versa. So I think, yes, they would say they're, they're, they're English. Yes, I think they, they, they don't say English. Did you ever feel that in the way they educated you guys, like you and, and both your brothers, there was a cultural difference or did they maybe disagree on some things or was it super smooth? 
we never really talked about it. It's it's kind of interesting because I don't think any of us want, came at home and said I'd like for us to speak English at home from now on. I think that aspect of multiculturalism just was embedded. Um, it was not something we could necessarily explain, but we just played along with it and we just got brought up. So there wasn't really much of a a, a question. I think when my both my brothers acknowledged that I feel more English. Whether or not they can explain it, it doesn't really matter to them because it. They know why. Like they, they know my friends. They know what I like to do, and they're like, yeah, Robin has more of an English um, behavior. And um, would you have preferred to be in an English school? Um, I'm. Good question. I don't think so. We actually thought about it. Um, we thought about when I was about fifteen, sixteen. Do you want to change to an English system? You know, the A levels because you get to choose your own courses. It was much more free. Like there was something a bit more than the French system. But my parents were excellent in terms of supporting me during my my education because they knew it and they knew it very well. And so no, I think I'm very happy to have done the French system. I was able to learn a new culture that I might not have if I did the English system, because then the French side would have just dwindled down. What is the hardest part of having those three cultures? It's the justification of why you are you believe that you are English or why you believe that you're French, and it's that part where you don't belong, whether you are in England, because people are going to say, "Oh, but you you did all your school in French, so you are not completely English," and then you're going to come to France and you're like, "But yeah, but you've lived all your life in England and you don't know the lyrics to uh, the, any song." Yeah. just. So you're not French, and then you're coming to Spanish, and you're really trying, and people are like, "Yeah, but you're you've got the accent. You're you're not Spanish, you know." And so everywhere you go, you sort of you sort of have to convince people that you are part of a, a you know a certain citizenship, or you're like them, but you're not. And that's what needs you. That's what I had to learn is that I am not. I am not fully English. I am not fully French. I am not fully Spanish. There's no way a human mind can handle a hundred percent of nationalities of three countries directly. It's being able to be comfortable with that fact of knowing that you belong slightly, but that ultimately you have to connect as human beings. I've I've stopped trying to connect as a Spanish person in Spain, and in England I don't expect to connect as an English person. What I do expect to connect with are the rituals. Like in England, I will go to a pub with the football jersey. And by connecting through football, I will be English. You just ultimately connect through the things that you like, and some of the things that you like are going to connect with a certain, let's just call it cultural rituals. Today, do you feel like you're at peace with these thoughts of saying, "Okay, you slightly belong to different places"? I'm okay with it. <laughs> do you feel sometimes out of place? 100%. But I, I'm at peace with it because it's a chance. I have a chance to be able to partly belong to different groups. And that allows me to be in different groups, maybe not fully, but it allows me to change as well. So when when I'm traveling and then I see a French person, I will connect very quickly because people connect through familiarity. And so when you're traveling outside and people are trying to find whatever piece of home that they can, and they see another person who speaks their language, it doesn't matter if you're 100% French. Suddenly, you are the closest thing to home that they have. And they're going to connect very quickly, and that is a big plus.
you have one more advice for parents who are raising their kids in another country than their own? I have spoken to too many people who tell me you are so lucky that your parents have taught you the three languages and stuck to it because it's awkward. It's a very awkward process because you're trying to talk to your kid, which you you know perfectly that he speaks, so in my case, French, right? If my dad speaks to me in French, he was like, well, I can tell you whatever you want. You'll understand me. But I tell you in Spanish, you won't. So it's very easy to come back to the French. Stick to Spanish. Stick to your language because as a kid, it's easy to learn. And that kid will be forever grateful. It's a big asset, job-wise, personally-wise. It's it's just incredible. And so, yeah, just it's, it's awkward, not gonna lie, but it's worth it. So we're reaching the end of the podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> I want to ask you one last question. What is the smell of home to you? I th yes, I think I found my smell of home. And I think that is something that everyone might relate to. Uh, to me, is mother's cooking or father's cooking. Like, I know that my father uses a lot of garlic. So the moment I come home and there's a smell of garlic coming out of the pan, I'm like, yep, that's it, Robin. You're home and you're going to have a nice dinner. Thank you so much, Robin. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Mayan. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Big Blend. If you like what we do, talk about us to your multicultural friends. You can also give us five stars on your podcast app. And if you want to get a glimpse into the newest episodes every month, follow us on Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter on the website, thebigblend.co. Cheers and see you soon.